Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Bars. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Youth in Education podcast, where we explore developments in education, research and policy that affect young people, primarily in the UK, with a range of expert guests. This podcast is brought to you by the Centre for Education and Youth. Hi, it's Alex. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Youth in Education podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Professor Samantha Twizzleton, OBE, who is Director of Sheffield Institute of Education at Sheffield Hallam University, among a host of other exciting and important roles. Sam and I discuss the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on this year's cohort of trainee teachers, many of whom have missed out on school placements to practice their work in the classroom. As Sam says though, it's not all doom and gloom. We also talk about the support out there that is available to them. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. The Centre for Education and Youth believes society should ensure all children and young people receive the support they need to make a fulfilling transition to adulthood. Find us at cfey.org. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you on. Would you like to start by introducing yourself and, and telling people a little bit about your background? Yeah, really pleased to be here. Yeah, so I'm Sam Twizzleton. My day job is at Sheffield Hallam University, where I'm the director of Sheffield Institute of Education, which is a bit of the university that deals with things like teacher training, CPD, research into kind of school and broader education settings and so on. So that's my day job. But actually, these days, I spend as much time, if not more, doing things outside of the university. Mm. The most recent and most prominent of which I suppose has been I'm the chair of the advisory group for the DfE's core content framework, which was published amazingly just before the election was called and is kind of set up to complement the early career framework. So part of a whole range of things that are coming in really designed to support early career teachers and very sort of pleased to be part of that. Also the um, Deputy Chair of Doncaster Opportunity Area and a whole load of other things but that's probably enough to be going on with. (laughs) Chartered College of Teaching as well is that right? Yeah you're the one that told me I'd got that. (laughs) I remember it well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm also the Vice President, uh, brackets external, of the Chartered College of Teaching. Um, The external bit, I think, kind of fits with what I've just said about my job, really. I'm out and about a lot, doing lots of different things, and I use the opportunity to promote the college and um very pleased to say that it's it's going from strength to strength and really pleased to be associated with it it's been really interesting to watch it it's rise and and great to see that's a stellar lineup of, of roles you've got there and i'm amazed that you managed to fit it all in but it's great to be able to to chat to you on the topic of new teachers and trainee teachers because I think it's a really important one at the moment. A lot of the discussion around the disruption that we've had due to COVID has been focused on what's happening in schools at the moment. And particularly, I think at CFEY, we've been thinking a lot about young people and how the changes have affected them. But it's had a big impact on people who are either very new to teaching or training to get into teaching at the moment. And I think we'll probably see that impact going on for some time what's your kind of perception of of what has happened this year and uh, the effect that it's had on the trainee teacher population 
Well, I think, you know, probably foremost is a lot of anxiety amongst those trainees who are about to become NQTs and very understandably so really because the way initial teacher training works is for the vast vast majority if not all of those people they would have been spending you know most of the time since lockdown in school Mm -hmm. in one or more schools really really kind of getting their teeth into sort of sustained practice and kind of meeting the standards but also really establishing their identity as a as a classroom teacher so that they're ready to hit the ground running um, in September and obviously lockdown came along and disrupted that. Now I think one or two lucky ones particularly if maybe even in a school-based provision managed to sort of keep being engaged with the school that they, they were in but for the vast majority and even though obviously the ones who did that it was a very different kind of experience but the vast majority they were just kind of out of school mm. and, and completely missing that that placement. Now having said that I don't think it's doom or gloom um, I think I think they're understandably anxious because they feel that they're really missing that gap and you know their their confidence will have dipped a lot as a result of it. Um, however, IT providers have been doing an awful lot to make good use of that time and some of that time has been used in ways that will be really, really beneficial. So they've been able to do a lot more sort of standing back and thinking about practice in a range of ways, almost through a kind of wide angle lens, as well as doing some really kind of micro preparation using things like video resources and so on to really, you know, get in under the skin of, you know, some really focused things like how to do a good explanation, for example. Mm. So it's not like the time has been wasted. It's just been used quite differently and I think actually like I say some they will reap the benefits from some of those things but inevitably they won't at this time feel like adequate substitutes for most of those people they will feel like oh I haven't been in the classroom therefore if I get a job in September I'm going to feel really green or even will I get a job in September and that's the other thing that we're seeing there are less NQT posts available I think there are less posts available generally in school at the moment and I suppose that's an inevitable consequence of two things really school's obviously very distracted you know doing everything they've been having to do over the past few weeks and months but also a sort of uncertainty about what their needs are going to be like what their budget's going to be like and therefore probably a tendency not to commit to appointing certainly permanent posts so there there is a problem for some some of our kind of exiting trainees Mm -hmm that they haven't yet got a job to to a level where, you know, there's far more in that situation than is normal from this time of the year. So it's it's an anxious time, but I don't think all is lost. It's interesting, isn't it? I think you're absolutely right. It's a time where a lot of people are saying, how do I make the best of this situation? And I think um, regardless of the kind of stresses of not having that normal amount of time with the young people, there will be other benefits that trainees have had but it doesn't make it any easier the points that you make about the recruitment is really important because we've seen for example the teach first situation where they've had to turn away a number of their potential trainees because they just weren't the school placements we've actually seen quite a rise in people wanting to come into the teaching profession whether that's because of insecurity in in other roles or because of a kind of renewed appreciation for how important it is in in the face of everything that we've um, we've seen happen this year, and so there is going to be a bit of tension, I think, around those two things in terms of the people coming in and the jobs are actually available for those people who haven't been able to get a job this year. What kind of advice would you give them in terms of moving forward? Well, 
first of all, putting a, a hat on as a MAT trustee, um, a trustee of a very large MAT, which has lots of schools, primary and secondary. And we've been doing a lot of modelling of different scenarios for next term. You know, obviously, they, there's a very firm position now that all pupils will be back all of the time. And that means all staff will as well. But actually, it doesn't take very many people to need to self-isolate or there to be a local lockdown or all the different sort of variables that just are so uncertain that, you know, the virus is still very kind of present <laughs> and impacting on our lives. So what we're doing in, in this particular trust is we're expecting that we will be using supply cover a lot more because we think that people will be needing to self-isolate or shielding or have relatives that they're worried about caring responsibilities all of these things will impact on staffing so I think there's going to be a great demand for supply teachers which isn't necessarily an ideal way to start your NQT year although in some ways it might not be it'll be so different this year that being a supply teacher won't be your standard sort of experience you'll be it'll be all hands on deck anyway regardless whether you're in a supply role or whether you've been lucky enough to secure an NQT role in some ways one of the reasons why I said I'm kind of not despondent for this kind of year's batch of of NQTs is that I think they'll be coming into a situation where teamwork and all hands on deck and everybody supporting each other are going to be such an important part of the role plus the re-establishing of relationships with pupils and really putting that front and centre which I think is a great thing to be a priority when you start your your career Mm. I think it will be quite conducive really whether whether you're in a in a permanent role or whether you're in some kind of supply role I think you'll learn a lot you'll be part of a sort of problem solving community where everybody's learning you know so I think that will help as well Mm. and I think like you said there's a general more appreciation for how important teachers are but also I think there's just a general more bigger appreciation generally for the things that matter (laughs) and you know relationships education really matter a lot so in in some ways although it's going to be different and you know I'll be absolutely clear I would be terrified (laughs) if I was an NQT at this point but I think you know a few days in and it will all be well so if you haven't got a job now I would certainly think about supply I wouldn't despair I think posts will be advertised you know I think we still need the same number of teachers if not more than we've always needed so it's, it's just a temporary kind of pause really as schools work out what the kind of the next academic year looks like but it can't carry on forever those vacancies will need to be advertised yes yes a lot of it has been around sort of taking stock hasn't it and I think schools have had such a lot on their plate that they have had to kind of do one thing at a time and as a result recruitment's been sort of put on the back burner a little bit but like you say it's not not disappeared as something that will have to be a focus at some point. I read a really interesting blog written by an NQT talking about working in the in the current environment and saying it's it's a very strange situation because actually um, no one knows what they're doing. Yeah exactly exactly yeah. Yeah, in some ways, it kind of takes away that that pressure and yeah. that stress of, of being the new one because it's a totally fresh and and bizarre situation to be working in, and everybody, like you say, is pulling together and discovering things together and working out what works and what doesn't together. So hopefully, that will be of some comfort to new people starting in the new term in September. Absolutely. Do you think there's anything that existing teachers who do have a bit more experience could be sort of trying to think about in terms of supporting new teachers coming in at this time, just to kind of give them a bit of a hand where they can? Yeah. Well, again, I'm I'm probably 
kind of biased in terms of the circles that I move in <laughs> but my impression is that a, a, a lot of schools are, are really thinking carefully about this about you know they know that these NQTs will have had this disruption to their ITT they know that they're coming into sort of an unusual set of circumstances and are thinking really carefully you know already about how they can support them um, when they start in September so those who are lucky enough to already have a job I know there's a lot of kind of onboarding kind of activity going on I've been involved in a few different kind of virtual events where NQT has been getting to know each other and being orientated to you know the the school or the mat or whatever that they're working in and I think you know again the fact they've got the time to really do that now in a way that it wouldn't have been if they'd still been school on placement is really mm-hmm. helpful I think the fact that the early career framework is is starting to be piloted and that's been expanded, but also the materials are are going to be made available to everybody. Not only is that a useful thing in itself, but it's also created a big conversation that was already happening, but I think COVID has kind of amplified it about the importance of supporting new teachers anyway, you know, regardless of of, um, current circumstances. So it feels to me like the narrative has changed quite a bit. Whereas I think we did go through a period where for some people there was this expectation as a new teacher that you really had to hit the ground running and kind of know everything from day one. And that's partly sort of driven by accountability pressures and so on. But it's a really unrealistic and unfair expectation because, you know, IT is very short and very intense and lots of things don't properly stick until you've actually got your own children that you're working with on a day in, day out basis. So I feel like because the DfE has woken up to this and brought in the early career framework and all the other things that go with it, that has started a conversation that's kind of become accelerated, really, by the fact that we know we've had this disruption. So I think it's it's a good time in some ways to be entering the profession because it feels like there's been a paradigm shift. And mm. it's just great that, you know, as I say, it might be skewed because the people I speak to, the people speak to me because they're thinking about these things. But it does feel like school leaders are really taking seriously their responsibility to support new teachers and giving it a lot of thought in advance so that when they do start in September, I think it will be a really conducive and supportive environment for them to come into. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think there's there has always been quite a lot of conversation around teacher well-being and, you know, the, the, the pressures that teachers face. And I think it's almost like in some ways the COVID-19 situation has really almost allowed people to accept that that is a problem. There was always a bit of a challenge about how much pressure teachers really have to deal with and is it as bad as they say and they got all these holidays and everything else and which always frustrated me hugely and yeah it feels like now actually what people have really especially people who have been homeschooling have really understood (laughs) a lot a lot more what the challenges are and and have been really impressed with the way teachers have been kind of so responsive and um and uh have kind of adapted so quickly to the situation and and in many ways that's allowed that sort of focus on teacher well-being to to be accepted more and to be taken more seriously and it's been great to see that alongside a focus on on young people's well-being and I hope that both of those things will continue to be a focus going forward. Yeah absolutely I mean you know for for me there's two things that sort of stand out in relation to that one is absolutely agree in terms of helping people to appreciate the complex role Mm -hmm. a teacher has in supporting learning it's not a straightforward thing as many parents have found out and the way that as you say teachers have sort of stepped up and responded to doing this in a range of different ways 
And hopefully that is, like you say, that's one of the reasons why there are more people interested in entering the profession. Hopefully it's not just because they're worried that they can't find another job. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it is because they realise what an important job it is and how rewarding it can be if you get it right. But I think the other thing is, and this, this applies particularly to school leaders, is it's really shone a light on, you know, schools aren't just places of learning. <laughs> they're absolute hub of the community yeah. and they're where children get fed and looked after and provided with a sort of safe secure place to be and when that is suddenly removed what we've seen is school leaders really stepping up and you know putting a priority making sure these children are fed are safe are looked after and that's a massively challenging thing and I've just I've done about you but I've just stood back and watched in awe really as, as they've done that and hopefully that will again slightly change the narrative around the importance of schools and the importance of teachers and you know it's not just about the transmission of knowledge and learning it is that much sort of broader set of responsibilities to the sort of well-being of children and I think linked to your point about workload I mean definitely there are and have been huge problems with workload and stress I sit on the teacher recruitment and retention advisory group for the DfE and the DfE conducted quite an mm. interesting piece of research looking at the reasons why people leave, the reasons why people think mm. about leaving, um, the reasons why people think about leaving and then change their mind. And the most interesting thing was the ones who think about leaving and then and then stay. Yes, absolutely. I think we fed into that. As I think, Tank, you've produced some really interesting reports on, on this whole area as well. So I'm definitely sure that will have fed in. But it's the ones who end up staying and the reason why they stay is usually because they've changed schools <laughs> and the new school has a different way of doing things and things that seemed like an absolute non-negotiable must-do priority in the former school that had been stripped back or done differently in the new school and the culture therefore was just so much more supportive and permissive. And I think the stripping back that schools have had to do in light of COVID, where you've just got so many things to think about, you've basically had to go right back down to the basics of what really matters most to these children. Hopefully that can then flow through into Mm. schools doing that more in the future in terms of getting rid of some of the things that create the stress and the burden. And, And we know that what really makes teachers stressed is when they're doing things that they feel time consuming but not beneficial (laughs) you know whether it's data entry or or triple marking or or whatever Uh, and that will make a much better um, culture for new teachers to come in because you know I think that's one of the reasons why we've been seeing teachers leaving earlier in the profession is because of those things that they felt were getting in the way of why they'd come into the job in the first place, which was to sort of make a difference to children. Exactly. Uh, and yet they were spending mm. all their time on, on spreadsheets. Oh, gosh, I couldn't agree more. It was a, a lot to do with why I left in the end. So much later and uh, yeah, you're thinking that's this isn't the job I signed up for when you're sat in front of an Excel spreadsheet for hours. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I feel each teacher needs to have an opportunity to discover what particularly drives them and I think I've met some really fantastic teachers in the profession who have really kind of grown their career in the areas that they're really passionate about whether that's subject leadership or special needs or something higher up the school management you're able to kind of really shape a role in teaching in lots of different ways and I think the more that we can show new teachers that that's the opportunity for you you're not just you know kind of all the same and having to fit into a box in in terms of delivering the the job then the the longer people will want to stay because it's important to to be driven by the things that you're really interested in 
Absolutely. And policy wise, you know, there are some sensible things that are going to support that. Mm. Um, you know, so the, the DFE do now have this idea of sort of multiple career pathways and, and making them much more visible and much more co coherent. And so we've got the revision of all the MPQs, which will also bring in some new ones, which are the specialist MPQs, which exactly what you just said, you can find your niche, mm. hopefully within a sort of variety of different pathways. I think that, you know, if you're lucky, that's been available to some people previously, mm. but it's not available to everybody. And it's not obvious when you're making that choice, whether to come into the profession or not, if you compare it to, you know, accountancy or something like that, uh, where it's just really clear what the pathways are and what qualifications you'll need to get and so on. It's, it's not that clear in, in teaching, but hopefully will become more so now. Yes, absolutely. I remember um, seeing Lucy Crehan give a, a speech about her book, Cleverlands, um, and talking about, um, you know, the different pathways available in other, other countries when you're teaching and how you can, you know, moving up as a teacher doesn't mean that you have to give up working with young people yeah. and things like that. Exactly. Headship isn't the only sort of route. Yeah. You can be a master teacher and so on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's great to see some of those ideas kind of becoming more respected here. I'd be interested to know a little bit about whether you think there'll be any changes to teacher training following sort of some of the things that we've seen happen this year. Because we've obviously had a lot of people having to get up to speed with using technology and resources to teach remotely and we've seen things like the Oak National Programme and some of the lessons delivered through that and other teachers have used their own sort of ways to, to make that work seen some really interesting stuff in the specialist sector as well do you think that, that we'll see anything new introduced into teacher training programs to make sure people are ready for that for this kind of possibility happening again needing to be out of the classroom yeah, I mean, and I think some of that will stay regardless of whether we're in a global pandemic and worried about that anymore or not. So in inevitably, there are some things that just, you know, for pragmatic reasons, you know, if we think about our courses for next year at the university, um, we are going to have students on campus for limited amounts of time, but it has to be very controlled, as you can imagine, and therefore have to think really mm. carefully about what is to be done face to face and what needs to be done or what, what can be done virtually. And actually, it's quite a useful process to go through that. It's a bit like what I was talking about, you know, you have to strip back down to first principles and think really carefully about, you know, what is absolutely has to be, you have to be in a room with people and it has to be practical and so on, and what actually can mm. be done at a distance. And once you realise there's quite a lot of those things that can be done at a distance, as we all found out when we had to sort of overnight, it actually opens up the yeah. possibilities of, you know, you, you can have very big groups of people in lead lectures which then means that you can devote more sort of specialist time to smaller groups and more one-to-one -one. you can spend more time on subject knowledge you can link up with other organizations so I think there's a lot of learning coming out of this that we will definitely take forward for an example for me and this isn't really a university example but I'm thinking about the early career framework I've been involved in lots of discussions with different subject associations who were disappointed initially that when it came out, it was a kind of generic document. And yet we know, particularly in secondary, mm. although to the same extent, actually, but differently in primary, the subject lens is, is very, very important because that gives sort of focus and context mm. and actually also the importance of subject knowledge in that. Well, we can supplement, we can do the early career framework in ways that give that sort of subject focus if we can do some of it virtually and again there might be the potential to join up with other early career framework providers even to kind of give you the scale and the capacity it opens up a mm. lot of flexibility 
which also opens up the potential to sort of specialise and work in different ways. And I think for the trainees themselves, I mean, they're already kind of ahead of most of their tutors in doing this previously. But now we've sort of caught up in terms of the Mm. power of networking and how you can do that virtually. So I've been involved a little bit in the Mm -hmm. Teach First Summer Institute, the sort of regional local version they've not been in a room together yet mm-hmm. uh, but for four weeks now you know they've really bonded as a cohort in this virtual yeah. summer institute and probably feel like they know each other in some ways better than they would have done if they just sort of you know sat across from each other in a room for for certain sessions and I think you know it's rapidly evolving I can't sort of definitively say you know in five years time this will remain and this will have gone of course but there, there would definitely will be some things that we will definitely want to take forward and have proved to be already very powerful Mm, definitely yeah I think you're right and uh, it's important to remember that isn't it when things feel very uh, challenging that actually that's when some of the best learning happens you just have to find answers don't you (laughs) yeah you can't argue about it you just got to get on with it exactly yeah people are always much better than than we expect ourselves to be On the early careers framework, just for some of our listeners who might not be entirely familiar with the detail of it, could you tell us a little bit more about what new teachers can expect from that in the coming year? Yeah, so the answer to that right now is not as straightforward as it will be in a year's time, because (laughs) in a year's time it will be nationally rolled out and will be the same for everybody. Let me tell you what the concept is in itself, first of all. So it is a two-year support and development programme for new Mm -hmm. teachers, It kind of builds on some things that existed already, but with a a lot more specificity and a lot more rigour and a lot more kind of sense of national entitlement as opposed to you might be lucky enough to get it in some places, but not in others. Mm. And it's very much about extending really the training period sort of beyond the ITE bit. So the reason why I was pleased to chair the ITE framework is that that latches into the two years that follow it and together the two things now kind of combine to guarantee at least three years if not more if you've done a longer ITE route uh, and it is all about support and development it has support for mentors as well as for the new teachers themselves because we know that, that at elbow support that you get in school is often the most important element and can be the make or break so there's quite a focus on that there's there's different areas you know there's things to do with behavior things to do with curriculum things to do with special needs so it's all kind of obvious stuff that follows on logically from ITE but it's the fact that this it's a framework that's stipulated sort of nationally so everybody will get it or everybody will get it from next September 2021 2020 it's being piloted in four areas although those have been expanded a little in the light of covid So it will be available as a sort of fully up and running programme for some people, but not for everybody. Is it the North East Bradford, Doncaster and Greater Manchester, I think? Yes, yeah, North East Bradford, Doncaster, Greater Manchester. Although, as I said, now it's extended into certain other areas of the country as a one year Mm. programme now. Sheffield Hall and we work in partnership with Education Development Trust as one of the pilot providers. So, you know, reasonably close to the piloting. And yeah. what we've been busily doing, when I say we, it's a royal we because I haven't been doing it, but my colleagues have, um, is busily preparing materials to support the programmes when they're up and running from September. And those materials from all four providers will be available free to everybody. So what I know a lot of schools will be doing from this next September is using those materials to inform the programmes that they would have been doing anyway. So a lot of people Mm. will be getting a flavour of the early career framework this year and then it comes in as a sort of fully blown entitlement the following year. 
as I say, you know, a good time, I think, to be a new teacher. Yes, it's really exciting, I think. Can you give us any sort of particular examples of the sort of things that are in those materials that will be available? All four providers are slightly different, but but also very similar, because obviously we're following the same framework. And we've all been producing self-directed study materials, which I think will be particularly useful because, you know, you'll be able to use those regardless of whether you're in a pilot area or not. That includes things like videos to analyse, to sort of look at examples of good practice, activities that will help Mm. you to then practice some of those features that you've been analysing in the video yourself, things to read, things to think about, things to sort of ask your mentor about, things to observe when you're in school. So a lot of it is fairly common sense stuff, but it's giving it a kind of level of precision and rigour that um, wasn't there, certainly in a guaranteed way previously. Um, So, you know, good stuff, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think it will be a huge help to a lot of young teachers or new teachers. And I think it is a time where that ongoing support is really important. And you can feel sometimes after your NQT year um, or even before your NQT is finished that um, you're sort of uh, going it alone, which can be quite daunting. Yeah, absolutely. So it's great to have that, certainly. And I think particularly the mentoring aspect, I think, is really helpful because just being able to, to freely ask questions from someone else who's got that experience makes such a difference. It really does. Yeah. And to not, not to be afraid. I think there are no silly questions when you're when you're learning something, are there? It's uh, you've got to get out there and find out all the different perspectives. Exactly. And I think the fact that the um, the government have put a lot of resource into this is almost sending a signal that it, it, it is all right. Mm. You know, you do need a mentor. You are still learning and um, you should be asking questions. You know, don't hold back because we, we know you're still learning. In fact, you know, you're always still learning, aren't you? But you're particularly still learning in the, in the early career phase. Yes, it sets you up well, doesn't it? I think one of the things that I have learned from working with other people in the education sector who are achieving all kinds of amazing things is you know a lot of them have that mindset of learning the whole time you you never stop it and if you have that mindset I think you can you can achieve all sorts of incredible things and it really is so helpful for working with young people too absolutely yeah it's great to kind of have that goal to be sort of investigating and discovering things together yeah it sounds really exciting absolutely Thank you for telling us a bit about it. And I know that you've got a little bit of holiday time coming up, which is lovely and I'm sure very hard earned. But is there anything else that you're looking forward to when we get round to September to kind of finish up on a positive note? Is there anything that you think that we could be positive about after all of the challenges that this year's thrown at us? Well, kind of building on what I've said already, really. Personally, my diary in September, you know, as well as the sort of university stuff that I'm doing and the Opportunity Area stuff, is already full of lots of engagements with NQTs mm-hmm. <laughs> um, on the back of, of what I've been doing with the core content framework and sort of associated with that, the kind of early career framework. A lot of people, as I say, are really thinking hard about how they're going to support their NQTs next year and they're developing their programmes for it. And they've invited me along partly to talk about my research because my research in teacher development is sort of relevant to to new teachers, Mm. Um, but also, you know, to just champion the the importance of new teachers. So, you know, already I think September has, you know, several engagements like that. I imagine they almost certainly will be virtual as opposed to 
being there in person I long to be in a room with people again <laughs> um, but you know it's it's um it's not a bad substitute at least at least you're getting to talk to these people so yeah I'm really looking forward to that we've all adjusted to it now haven't we I think to some extent it, it's just about settled in but it will be nice when we get to uh, all be back in the rooms together again but hopefully not too long not too far in the future yeah yeah fingers crossed <laughs> brilliant well is there anything further you'd like to add I have just thought of one final thing, which is the Charter College of Teaching's Early Career Hub. Like most people, it's amazing what you can do practically overnight when circumstances need it. And Charter College have really stepped up, actually in a whole range of ways. But the bit that's most relevant to this podcast is, is the Early Career Hub, where they've gathered existing resources and then some new ones as well, all designed to support early career teachers. It's just absolutely brilliant. Some of them, you know, you can access even if you're not a member. But actually, if you're about to become an NQT, you can join for free and that membership will last you for a year. So I would definitely join (laughs) and then you can access the whole thing because it it really is phenomenally good. Smashing. And that can be done through the website. Is that right? Wonderful. Encourage everyone to go and take a look at that and hopefully find it really helpful. Smashing. Well, it's such a, a pleasure to talk to you. Likewise. Really interesting to hear your thoughts on what all of this has meant for new teachers. And I hope this will help them to feel a little bit more optimistic about the future. What is a a really wonderful job when you get stuck into it. Thank you so much for your time, Sam. It's been really wonderful to talk to you. It's been enjoyable. Lovely. And I do hope you have a lovely time on your break. Oh, thank you. I'll I'll think of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Brilliant. Well, you take care. And thanks again for making the time to speak to us. It's a pleasure to have you. You're welcome. Thanks. All the best. Take care. Bye. Bye. We love making this podcast. If you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy making it, there's a few things that you can do. One, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button in iTunes or wherever you're listening. Two, share. Share this episode with someone you know who will find it interesting. Three, review. Write a review or leave a comment. Also, feel free to contact us via the links in the show notes. Thanks a lot.